My name is Richard Taylor. I'm a test management consultant and trainer. I do a lot of work for Tessina in the Czech Republic and sometimes in Slovakia. Tessina has always been interested in helping to develop the local testing community by offering training opportunities and it's a pleasure for me to contribute to that. The purpose of this session is to find out about a new training course offered by Tessina on the subject of test automation patterns. This tutorial has been prepared by two of Europe's foremost test automation experts, Dorothy Graham and Soretta Gamba, and I'm lucky enough to have the chance to discuss this with Soretta today. Soretta has been in IT and, and software development for around about 40 years, in fact approximately the same length of time as both Dorothy and myself. Um, and She's been very interested in test automation for uh, almost 20 years now, and quite early in that time, she did some work on a kind of keyword-driven testing framework, uh, which, <coughs> which at the time was um, really the, the, the new generation of um, ideas to make test automation easier to deal with. And, um, I, um, meanwhile, I'm a bit of a, a, a manual testing dinosaur. I've never really got very close to test automation, so I'm really intrigued by the work that Soretta and Dorothy and some of their colleagues have done in the field of test automation. Um, so, Soretta, first of all, how did you get interested in test automation? How did I test test automation? How, how did you first become interested, or why did you first? I didn't become interested. I was uh, ordered by my boss to start test automation with a company. And so, uh, since I had before never done anything in test automation, so I, I had to start uh, finding out what it is, how it works, and so on. So, I was reading all the books, going to all the conferences, and so on. And I think that was a good idea because in that way I didn't have to invent the wheel in lots of stuff, so I could use the ex experience of other people. And so I started uh, with a framework because we had a problem that we were uh, using a tool that the vendor told us from the beginning that they were changing it. So I had to do a framework that should be as uh, tool independent as possible. And that was possible with uh, using keywords and a kind of keyword that was um, more uh, command oriented than usual keywords, so that we had as little as possible written in the tool and as much as possible out of the tool, so that when we did change the tool, uh, we didn't have so much work to do. Everything that was outside of the tool was still going, and we only had to change the, the scripts that were in the tool, and that was quite minimal. I see. And, 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 and what have you done since then? Well, I'm working, I have been working in automation all the time. So we uh, had, uh, in, our, in my company, we had uh, three or four uh, project lines, and uh, each one with very different um, problems, let's say, 
And so uh, to start automation in all of them and teach people how to do it and so on. Uh, well, I retired last year in November, but since 2001, I was just doing automation all the time. Has there been any particular type of application um, that you worked on, or, or could it have been anything? Uh, in the beginning, it was only a client server, but of course, we went uh, quite um, soon into web design and web services and stuff like that. I haven't any experience in embedded or so. Well, I have never done that. I, of course, I'm listening what other people are doing, but I've never done it myself. And several years ago, you and Dorothy realized that you had a, a shared interest in, um, in, in what you call test automation patterns. What do you mean by a pattern? Well, a pat the pattern started because I was getting a free book of the book where I contributed the chapter. The book was written by Doris Graham and um, Mark Fuster. It's called uh, Experiences in Test Automation. And uh, when I had this free book, I was just reading it. And there was a very nice feature. And they found something uh, interesting. They just put a note uh, do this, this is important, or things like that. And I noticed that the same things were coming again and again. And since I'm also a developer most of the time, uh, I know, for me a pattern, I know what it is. And so I recognize there were patterns also in test automation. And uh, so at the beginning I was collecting these patterns for myself because Dorothy was not interested, she just had written a book. But um, when I had enough, I just asked her to review it. And then she was so interested that she actually uh, worked to uh, accepted to work with me on that. And since then, we are working on this test uh, automation patterns. And the difference is usually when one hears test automation patterns, you think on unit tests. Those are also automated tests. But unit test patterns, they tell you uh, you have this coding problem and you should um, use this code to solve it. And our test automation patterns are just, um, how do you say, suggestions what to do. Well, no, I, I think um, I, I think I'd I'd got the idea that patterns are um, are, are useful pieces of of, of could we call them good practice? Yes. Uh, actually, the uh, patterns are just uh, solutions that lots of practitioners have used and that work. And that means that you don't have to invent everything yourself. You can use invented wheels from somebody else and you can start from there. So that's, that's the general idea. Uh, the pattern is just things that have worked for other people. And the people that start in, I mean, when I was starting, I fell in every hole, in every problem that was just possible. I invented some, and it's not necessary. If you, if you see, okay, there is this possibility and that possibility, you can use it. And of course, you will have problems just the same, but at least not the same that every other person has had before you. You can start with new problems. Mm. So what sorts of patterns do you see 
that 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 might well, be helpful. We divided the patterns in uh, process patterns and management patterns and design patterns and execution patterns because those are the things that uh, that happen in test automation. And more, there are more important and less important, of course. It depends where you are and what you are, what you're actually doing. When the first test automation tools came out, it seemed so simple. The vendors just told us that you just had to capture a manual testing session and it would replay just like a video and all your problems were fixed. Yeah. Why, why, why didn't that work out? And why have we had to now do things differently? First of all, it still doesn't work because now they sell actually the same thing. Uh, it's much more elegant and it's called other names and you don't need to code and things like that. But it's actually the same thing. The problem is that when you record something, you are recording everything that you're doing. So if you move the um, mouse uh, some maybe in that test it will move the mouse that way and every uh, thing that you're inserting will be exactly that so if you're inserting um, jack it will be jack every time and the problem is that if you are testing something let's say that you are going in doing something you have to log in to do the test you have to log in every time that means that you will record this login 500 times? I don't know how many tests you have. If they change something in that login, you have to record that the 500 times again. And that's the problem. Because if you just record stuff in the beginning, everything goes really fast. It's wonderful. Everybody is really, oh, fantastic. The problem comes the first time that your application changes. And actually, that's the reason you're doing automated tests to do the tests again and again when the, the application changes and then you're in big trouble because uh, all the stuff that was uh, completely static suddenly has to be changed. And what you do, you start again and in the end you notice that it will be faster just to do the tests manually again and not to do this stuff every time you change everything. And that's the reason it doesn't work. So um, is that the sort of thing that some of your, your execution, execution patterns will deal with? Of course, that's one of the main things that you're not supposed, that's what you can do with the um, keyword, because the keywords are actually, if you want to, uh, something like functions in development for dummies. So uh, a keyword is a function that you call, you give parameters, and this function does something. And so if you have uh, this, you use these functions and something changes in the function, then you just have to change the function. If you are unlucky, maybe you have to change the number of parameters, but it's still not that you have to change the same stuff 500 times if you have 500 tests. So, so we're talking about some sort of modular, um, yeah. <coughs> some sort of modular architecture. The problem is that uh, this is a modular stuff and good programming practices. Developers have found out already some long time that it's necessary. But in test automation, it was started by testers and they didn't know that. Of course, some they're not stupid, so they realized it at some time too. But they lost a lot of time because the, the vendors 
with this capture replay stuff, just told them you just do that. Mm. And that's just the problem. You cannot just do that. You have to think about it, what you want to do, that you want to be able to maintain it and, and change the scope and all stuff like that. And you cannot just start. It doesn't work. It works in the beginning. You think that it's wonderful, but it's, it's, it's not true. And, and then we've we've got the challenge of of dealing with the inputs and the outputs, haven't we? Um, because even if you modularize your scripts, you um, you might still have what we could call sort of hard coded data for um, the values that were put in. Yeah, of course. So the, in the beginning, the the first uh, way to to correct that was with data driven testing. So they you could. Uh, record something and then where you have the, the constants that you were putting names and stuff you would read them from a, a different file and then you could use the same driver for lots of different tests the test had to have the same structure but you could put other other data in it it was a very good uh, way to start better than nothing but not not good enough because there you still have the problem that uh, all tests that are um, not the same thing. You you have lots of drivers, and th these drivers also don't are not modular. Let's say every driver has a login. Then you have to change the login in all the drivers just the same. So it's still not good enough, but better than nothing. So mm -hmm. for a long time, uh, people were just working with this data driven. I mean, there are still. Um, ways where it can help but uh, let's say it's a kind of primitive way of doing it so what's the I know the, this is a very complicated question I don't know if it's possible to give a simple answer but what what is the um, the basic difference then between the data driven and and the next step forward into keyword driven well the data driven works like this you have a, a script let's say uh, this, 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 you tell something, uh, go to the login page and uh, go to the uh, pass name and give the name, then go to the password, give the password and then click OK, for instance. yeah. And when you record it, you will have as a name uh, Jack and as password Apple. Then you change this name Jack and Apple and you read it from a file. But if you have a very different tests. You will have this login in, in lots of different tests because a test is a closed thing for himself. And so you will have a test to do something, then a test to do something else, but all of them will have this login. And the login is 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 a part of the tests. So you you have if it changes you have to change it in all the tests. With the keyword it was different because then you have a keyword that's called login. And as parameters, you give name and password. Now you can all take all your tests and build them out of small pieces. So you will have a login, then you will have a page one, then you have a page two and things like that. But this login keyword, you can use it all the time and again and again. So if you change something, you only have to change it in one place. And that makes maintenance enormously uh, more easy and, and that's, the, that's the trick 
So have we now solved what some people might call the great script maintenance problem? No, there are lots of other problems, but that is one of the ways to make it easier to maintain. Because it, the problem is, there are in test automation, there are lots of problems. For instance, I remember one of the first, uh, uh, how do you say, adventures that we had when we started, we had written scripts and all that, and then my colleagues started the tests on the uh, Friday evening, expecting on Monday uh, morning to have all the tests run and just look at what happened. What happened? She comes back Monday morning and nothing was running because in the middle of the screen was, uh, you have received an email. And of course, our test then uh, didn't expect that. So uh, it stopped and nothing happened. So test automation means also that you have to be able to um, expect unexpected things. That uh, doesn't have anything to do with keywords. So there are lots of stuff that you have to do uh, also, not only the keyword. That is one of the methods, but the, then you have to, uh, or you, for instance, another thing that is always a problem, you have a uh, some program that some uh, application that runs once in a minute, once in three hours. What do you do? I mean, uh, you can say, okay, I'll wait three hours, but then you waste a lot of time because usually it, it only takes one minute. If you say, okay, I'll use it one minute, then when it takes three hours, you just blow out. And, and so you have to wait for something. And of course, uh, if the developers are helping you, they will put a sign that it's finished and you can go on. If they are not, that's what ours were doing, you have no idea how to recognize when it's finished. And, and you have lots of problems in test automation. That's why we have also lots of patterns, because all these kind of problems have already a solution. But uh, you usually, when you start with test automation, you don't think on these problems because you still haven't uh, had one. And then suddenly something happens and uh, you don't know what to do. And and that's the that's what I think the patterns are helpful because they tell you, look, that you can have this problem, this problem, and there is this solution and this solution. So. I suppose these ideas have been maturing now for, for almost 20 years. Of course. Do, do you think we've now just about become as good at this as we'll ever be? Or are no. there perhaps um, some, some, some further steps forward? Yeah, I think it's, it's better than in the beginning, but absolutely not good enough, I would say. And there are also, for instance, in the beginning, test automation was mostly uh, running on the GUI of the graphical user interface. But that's difficult because let's just think of a page in, a, in different browsers, it looks different. So the tools have to recognize that some button is uh, in, in Google or in um, Explore or whatever, it looks different and they must have a react just the same. So now, for instance, lots of people are using the API so that you can go from inside and don't have to go on the on the uh, screen to do something. That's things that uh, were not possible 20 years ago. So now th there is a lot of stuff that you can do that was not possible before. 
and it's done and I'm sure that in, in 10 years there will be even more stuff that might makes it even better. But still, there are problems like, as I said, waiting and all things like that. They will be there all still and there are solutions right now that that's what we have in the patent. But of course, we are uh, hoping that uh, since we have the patents in a wiki, that people with a better solution just write it down and say, well, we can do this and it's even better than what you have there. And I'm, I'm hoping that that happens all the time. I suppose one of the things which we have to uh, deal with <clears throat> increasingly is the number of different device types that we have to test on. Um, if we're going to make the most of automating, especially regression testing now, then we've got the back-end platforms which might have something like SAP running on it or legacy systems. Um, and the front end could be anywhere. It could be on a desktop. It could be on a, a tablet or a phone. Um, do the do the patterns which you've identified um, cope with all of these different platforms? Can you use the same patterns generically, no matter what you're testing against, or have you actually had to identify separate groups of patterns for different um, target devices and platforms? Well, actually, we have tried to stay out of platforms, out of tools, so we are not. Uh, telling people use that tool or use that or use this platform or that. So we have tried to have patterns that are generally useful. So uh, we don't have a pattern that says if you are uh, testing a, an iPhone, it will work like this. And if you're testing something else, it will not. Usually they are just uh, suggestions to try in your own context. And there are things that in some contexts will work and in another context will not. So we have uh, really tried to keep out of this uh, technical stuff, too technical, because, I mean, think if we had just had said, uh, do this and that with the technique from five years ago, it doesn't work today. So we, we want our patterns to be as generalized as possible. So we are actually trying not to uh, go in the, in the different uh, yeah, kind of problems, technical problems, but to, to, to give uh, suggestions that work generally. Are they generic enough to be applied to both the agile and the sequential types of development lifecycle? Well, yeah, of course, that, that's important. We also, we even have a pattern in the, in the process pattern that says use the whole team approach. So that uh, if you have a, an agile team, that's of course much better than another uh, team because the, all, almost, uh, yeah, lots of problems that you have in automation come because the automators don't know exactly what the application does. They only have some specification or the test cases that they get from the testers that have tested that manually, and then they give this description to the automator. I've had that problem a lot of times because uh, I was automating stuff for an application that I knew, yeah, somehow, but not really so completely. So 
I had to work with the uh, information that the testers gave me. And there was, for instance, I, I, I will never forget it. I was testing an I was supposed to automate an application for uh, policy in, in um, insurance. And the description that the tester gave me was test the policy, no else. So I went back to her, what does that mean? And she was asked, of, of course, everybody knows how to test the policy, but I didn't. How can you automate something that you don't know? So if you're in an agile uh, group, then you know what's going on. In, in, you have an idea. Also, another very important thing is that you know that what they are changing so that you don't uh, find out that something has changed when everything is blowing up. But you know before, you can, you can do something about it. That also happened in my company quite a few times. Suddenly nothing works. All the automated tests uh, go on failed. And then you find out they just changed some, something. It is more things. Oh, I didn't know that that would have a, such an effect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you're in an agile team, of course, you find out earlier. Then you can tell the people, wait a minute, if you're doing this change, it will have big consequences in test automation. Mm, Otherwise, so, you, so, so you're yeah. saying the automators need to be part of the team and not a separate group? Yeah. I mean, yeah, there, is, there are different possibilities. For instance, uh, in a conference some time ago, uh, there were people telling from um, Scrum groups, and there were different ones, and they were everyone was automating, and they didn't notice that they were automating the same stuff again and again. So, you, and in that case, it would have been better if they had a test automation team outside of the Scrum groups, so that they would automate the stuff only once. Mm -hmm. So you always have to see how it works. Yeah, it works sometimes like this. It's it's not so easy. Okay, so it it seems like there isn't one rule which will work for everybody. No, there is not. That's why our um, patterns are also very context specific. I mean, if you have a management pattern, it cannot be the same for a company like Siemens and for a company like mine was with the hundred people. I mean, it just doesn't work. So we can give suggestions and say, try this and try that. But then you have to see how in your context, how that works. This could get us into a discussion about whether there's any such thing as best practice. I'd, I suspect that you and I both believe that there is no such thing. Uh, yes, there is. I mean, the pattern are best practice, actually. But uh, it's a best, best practice that uh, in a context. So if you, if you, as I said, if you have a, a completely different context, then your be best practice will not work, and it will not be a best practice. But in the in the right context, it is. So, yeah. Yes, uh, I think we do agree that it's about it's about what works best in certain situations. Yes. Yes. Hmm. Okay. Um. And. How does the tutorial that you and Dorothy have put together actually go about helping people to understand these things? I think it comes naturally. I mean, if you are writing uh, about patterns, the reason is not just for fun. I mean, it was fun also. But the reason is that you want to help people uh, not to do the same mistakes again and again and again. I mean, I did, I made all of them. Uh, and so, 
I know uh, that if I if I could avoid had avoided maybe only 10 percent, wow, it would have been wonderful. And so actually, the reason we give the tutorials and uh, uh, workshops and so on is just to to help people to uh, to avoid uh, some of the mistakes. They will not be able to avoid all of them, but at least some. And uh, that's also the reason why our uh, wiki is free. People can just go and look at it and, and see what, what they can learn from it. And I think it's a good idea because uh, if, it, uh, if it can just help people do, as I said, 10% less errors, well, fine, perfect. Uh, do, do you still get surprises? Do you, do you still come across people who present you with a situation that you'd never envisaged before or perhaps even a, a kind of mistake that you'd never seen before? Well, of course, because as I said, I only have experience in client service and in in some in web applications. But there are applications that are completely different, and uh, when uh, the whole embedded stuff, for instance, I have no idea how that works. I also don't uh, never uh, done anything in uh, load testing, load automation, or, or all the security stuff. No idea. So if somebody comes with a problem in that area. I'm just looking and saying, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I should definitely take a, a look at your wiki one day. Is it easy to find with a search engine? Yes, you just go to testautomationpatterns.wikispaces.com. Okay, right. And if anybody's interested in the tutorial, which I think is two days long, then Details of that can be found on the Tessena website, which is www.tessena.com. And there'll be more information about that and the possibility to, to register if anybody feels that, um, that, that it might be valuable. And it sounds to me as if it would be very valuable to anybody who wants to avoid some of the... Um, frequently made mistakes of test automation and I have seen um, although as I mentioned I, I've um, <clears throat> in my long testing career I've I haven't ha had very much hands-on involvement with test automation um, but I've seen it happening around me and I've seen plenty of mistakes and some of them very expensive ones uh, so this sounds very promising material and thank you very much, Soretta, for taking your time to, to, to tell me about it today. Thank you. My pleasure. <laughs> okay. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.